Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be spoiling the heck out of this episode and all previous ones. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jason. Harrison, what iconic episode are we watching this week? Oh, I'm so very happy to say we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 7, once more with Feeling. Finally! Uh, It's been years in the making. Uh, This is the one where a musical demon comes to town and uh, causes the citizens of Sunnydale to break into song and dance, a.k.a. It's the musical, people! And Once More with Feeling was written and directed by Joss Whedon and originally aired on November 6, 2001. This is more than likely um, the majority of the work that he put into this season because his involvement in everything else is fairly small. Yes. But you can understand why this took up a good deal of time. (laughs) And uh, I do should probably should have put this in there. Uh, Also, he wrote the uh the music he wrote all the songs music for the and episode. lyrics music by joss Whedon. yes um though uh christoph beck who was the composer for seasons one and two uh or two and three i mean uh returned to compose some in- uh, incidental music for this episode and arrange the score and the choreographer uh was uh adam shankman and um, uh in one song in particular, uh, guitar is provided by James Marsters. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into it. Yeah. Jason. Harrison, before we get into this. Okay. <laughs> um, this... Episodes obviously about the importance of music. Yes. Um, there is a, and you know, with music, a lot of times go lyrics as well. There is a one song, very important to me, not in this episode, uh, that whenever I'm feeling down, I like to just read the lyrics of, and it puts a smile on my face. Would you like me to share the song with you? Of course. Okay. One a little bit, ah. Uh, And a little bit, uh. Check a little bit, uh. Just a little bit, uh. I was like, good gracious, ass is bodacious, uh. (laughs) Flirtatious, trying to show faces, uh. Looking for the right time to shoot my steam, you know. Looking for the right time to flash them keys. Then, um, I'm leaving. Please believe in, oh. Me and the rest of my heathens... Check it. Got it locked at the top of the Four Seasons. That is Hot in Her by Nelly. I was, <laughs> before you started, I was like, okay, he's, he, he, I, I, first of all, congrats on a great poker face. <laughs> I was like, I cannot tell if this is about to be something silly or something like very moving and sincere. Um, and I'm glad to Turns see. out it's both. <laughs> uh, yes. I just, you know, when you look at those lyrics and just read that first line, <laughs> good gracious, ass is bodacious, in a straight voice, 
It just makes you smile. I'm, for whatever reason, I think it's the good gracious part. I'm like, I'm wishing I could hear Tony Head say that. Like, as, like <laughs> good gracious. Good gracious. Ass is bodacious. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, how about some Old Forester bourbon on the rocks? Old foe. Um, yeah, I'm drinking a gin and tonic. Mm. Um, so, a toast. A toast. Here's a toast to uh, the cast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, in particular Sarah Michelle Gellar, who uh, were understandably skeptical. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like, and I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about this before, like, they've had to do some stuff for this show <laughs> but like how did all of them react to hey guys so in this one we're gonna do musical numbers and dance like how did sarah michelle Geller take that yeah like, i what? based <laughs> on interviews it was like uh okay uh i i do think there was a based on things i've read there was a sense of um we're all going to do our best, but this is going to be a fucking disaster. And Which, fair. like, And it's so crazy that out of this, like, you know, we t- we've we mentioned before, this is like an all-timer for Buffy. It's not just an all-timer for Buffy. This is an all-timer for television. Yeah. This, like, this, along with the body, mm-hmm. are, like, when you just talk about great episodes of television, these are the ones that are referenced. Yeah. They're not my all-time favorite episodes of Buffy. They're up there. Yeah. But, um, They're certainly the most bold. Yeah, they, like, they are two of the... And also, this is the conclusion of our sound trilogy. Yeah. Which began with a an episode that featured an extended sequence of no speaking whatsoever, Hush. a An episode that featured no music whatsoever, The Body. And this episode, which features... All music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and also, like, those three episodes are cons- are top-tier Buffy episodes. Yeah. So it's crazy to think the impact that this has on the medium. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, cheers to the cast and crew of Buffy mm-hmm. Vampire Slayer for pulling this off. Because, yeah. Um, just real quick. I'm going to shout out a couple other great musical episodes of uh, of TV shows. Um, I think probably my second favorite, uh, my musical from Scrubs. Yes. Uh, such a good episode. Um, the first musical episode that Xena does, The Bittersweet. Um, very good. Less so their second one, Liar, Liar, Hearts on Fire. And it is Liar, L-Y. <laughs> um, uh, oh, gosh, what am I missing? There's another really good one. Uh, the Flash and Supergirl had a yeah. crossover uh-huh. that featured um, Darren Chris that as the really music good. meister. And uh-huh. also, while we're on the subject of the music meister, um, his original first appearance was in Batman the Brave and the Bold, mm-hmm. a... Um, an animated se- an animated Batman series that typically featured Batman teaming up with a with a different hero every week to fight a different villain. Um, very fun series, uh, and the Music Meister episode featured multiple heroes and multiple villains doing a lot of really fun uh, a, a lot of really fun musical numbers. And of course, the main villain, the Music Meister, 
was voiced by Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, can't really say there's a musical episode of Glee because they were all musical yeah. episodes. Um, there's also, um, um, fuck, it was just in my head. It is the show where, um, the people are community. <laughs> Um, they're yes, two, their Glee episode. Their Glee episode. Also, uh, the first, not the first Christmas episode, but Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas is also a musical. Um, but I prefer regional holiday music, uh, f- like for the for the musical aspect of it. Boop doop doop boop <laughs> sex. Fargo season three had an episode that opened up oh, with yeah. the orchestra with the orchestra playing. Um, Oh, what were what was the piece they were playing? They were talking about like a wolf and uh, like is it Peter and the Wolf? Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking. Yeah, and um, they go like into all of the different aspects of the orchestra, <laughs> but then like as they play the different individual instruments and talk about the characters, they show that oh, David Thewlis is the wolf. Um, and it's it's really great. I don't know if that necessarily counts as a musical episode, but it is an episode where music is featured prominently. Um, so, Jason, mm-hmm. speaking of music, what's your favorite number from this episode? So, the first time I saw it, I really loved um, Rest in Peace. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean... While there may not be, I'm well. I'm not sure of each actor's musical experience. Um, James Marsters is a well-known musician. Yeah, um, has his own band, and uh, so he just almost kind of slunk into that. <laughs> like yeah. it was, he was in a comfort zone. Him and Anthony Head, yeah, are definitely like. I wouldn't say that they're the two most talented. Uh, they're the two best voices in this, but they're definitely like. They have the experience. Yeah. They're like, this This kind of goes... like I feel like they had zero difficulty with this. Yeah. No, I, I think it's fair to say that the two of them and Amber Benson, the three of them have the strongest singing voices. Yes. Um, like, that's not to yeah. dismiss the other cast members, mm-hmm. but like they just are the strongest. Well, and it, they get featured the most yes. outside of Buffy. Yeah, and like, so I... When I like think of them, I think those three are at the top. Mm-hmm. And then... And we're talking about like main characters here, not yes, uh, not sweets, obviously. Uh, by the way, um, if you for those of you who don't watch the credits, uh, while the demon is not referred to by name in the episode, it does reference that when they're crediting his makeup artist, it is sweets. Yes. Uh, but yeah, underneath them are the people that may not have a lot of musical experience, but when the spotlight was on them, they nailed it. Emma Caulfield and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, um, I, I, it's kind of surprising just how good they are. Yeah, um, they do great. I think, I think Emma's voice is a little stronger um, than than Sarah Michelle Gellar's. Um, but Sarah Michelle Gellar has some really standout moments. The, um, I think she's the strongest vocally, at least in that moment in something to sing about. Where the in the please give me something, she kind of gets into more of a chest voice than a mm-hmm. head voice and she's stronger there um nicholas brendan not exactly the strongest singer but when paired with emma caulfield mm-hmm. in um 
I'll Never Tell, it actually works very well together. Yeah. And also there's a lot more dancing in that number two. Yeah. I think of the of the cast... Hey, we'll set Allison Hannigan aside yeah. because she doesn't really sing any. He's probably the weakest, but he stays in tune mm-hmm. and, and, they, and they don't ask much of him. Like, he's kind of like that... Um, He's kind of like it, when you're in high school theater, he's the guy who does theater because he loves theater, mm-hmm. even though he's not particularly like musically talented. Uh, but he's but he's good at theater, so yeah. he like he gets cast in character roles. Yeah, where, where a strong singing voice is not. <laughs> um, and then Michelle Trachtenberg, it's really kind of hard to comment on her singing because there's so little of it. Yeah. Uh, but man, is she a great dancer. Great dancer. Um, and then there's Allison Hannigan. Um, I, I don't think she would take offense at the, uh, at, you know, like us saying that she's the weakest. And, I mean, it's why she's featured so little. She yes. specifically said, I don't want to sing much. Yes. And they even make the joke in How I Met Your Mother, because the 100th episode does have like a, a musical number by like that's mostly features neil patrick harris but i believe allison hannigan's character lily gets one line that's cut off by by neil patrick harris yeah. and he's like get your head out of your ass it's funny <laughs> there too because that's also a cast uh how i met your mother is also a cast of pretty good singers neil patrick harris obviously but kobe smulder josh radner and uh jason siegel mm-hmm. are all good singers and then of course later on kristen miliotti is a wonderful singer mm-hmm. as well <laughs> i mean they had a whole scene of her singing Le'Veon rose oh, i mean not a good final season but damn that was a good scene so anyway is uh, rest in peace still your favorite song it, i don't or... think it is okay. i think um now i've mentioned this before this episode is probably my most watched episode of buffy mm-hmm. i believe that it is just so damn rewatchable yeah and while there is like um, a lot of kind of hard hitting stuff in it, it's not as hard hitting as something like the body or becoming part t- part one and two. Um, so it's it's easier on the rewatch. Yeah. Um, and uh, if I had to say, you know, it might be um, I'm under your spell okay. original. Okay. Um, I know what your favorite yeah. one is. Uh, he Harrison's favorite number is in fact the reprise of I'm Under Your Spell and um, standing. standing. Is it just called Standing or Standing yeah, in the Way? Just Standing. Yeah, um, that is sung by bo- by two of your strongest voices. Yeah, and that's part of why it's mm-hmm. my favorite song. I if, if, that, if that reprise didn't exist, like Under Your Spell and Standing are both beautiful songs and might crack the, like my top three, but without the reprise, my top song is Walk Through the Fire. Um... But there is something about the way those in the reprise, the way those two actors' voices come together, um, that's just really beautiful. And just like just the emotional mm-hmm. like I the way that they are both just watching Buffy and Willow. Um Yeah, it's like you and, have arguably your two main characters for this season. Yeah. Um be but it's not them it's not their perspective it's the perspective of the two characters arguably closest to them mm-hmm. um i say arguably in terms of giles because right. uh, it's not arguably with with tara but uh yeah and then you have one character who has only been on for a couple seasons and one character who's no longer a regular yeah um i yeah. have to say i 
I don't have. No, I, I, I'm actually I'm gonna pin, put a pin in this because I have a lot of frustration with Giles's arc in this season and how how the writers handled his decision to step down from a regular position. But that's really gonna come in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, also, despite this episode, how wonderful this episode is. Um, this episode does not feature my favorite musical moment of the series. The next episode does, um, but uh, that'll be that'll be fun to talk about. Well, we should let's... probably jump into the episode summary before we just like yeah, throw in all as many anecdotes <laughs> as we can. So uh, we actually don't start with a cold open. Uh, we go straight into the credits, it, which are... is an overture. Yes, it's in in the official soundtrack for this episode. Does call it an overture. And it's, it's a nice blend of, first off, when you have like the cat, like the cast's names coming up, mm-hmm. you do have like a melodic piano version of the Buffy theme, yeah, which is nice touch. It's really nice. Uh, another great touch is in those credits, all of the credits, like the the pictures that they've chosen uh, or the shots that they've chosen uh, to use for the cast members are all of them smiling, like real mm-hmm. bright smiles. And particularly Willow's at the very end when she gets her and credit. And it's a really nice way of... Because it's what this whole episode is doing, is putting on a shiny veneer um, and musical numbers over some really dark fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's all like, I mean, it's, it's what Sweet says. All these secrets you've been concealing, sing them out once more with feeling. Like... And it's it's very much like the message that if you keep things bottled up and like don't share them with those clo- with the people that closest or you need to share them with somebody, then like it'll eat you up yeah. or it'll make you spontaneously combust. Yes. Um, the credits and overture, excuse me, <laughs> um, lead into uh, a bit of a montage of mourning at the Summers household. Um, which is great because it's very uh, between Willow, Tara, and Dawn. It's very hectic. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of you know in and out of the doors. Mm-hmm. But while all of this hustle and bustle is happening, Buffy's just lying in bed, kind of staring into, like, staring at her ringing alarm clock. But like also the middle distance of her. <laughs> it's so funny, like clock. how weird that alarm clock is. It's like. It's very much just what you picture when you think of alarm clock. Like, you think of it maybe in, like, a cartoon sense. Yeah, it's very... Which, hey, that could be a choice. Like, to make things look fairly more animated. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we've ever seen her have such a... an analog clock um, with, like, literally with, like, the bells Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't think I ever had that type of alarm clock. I think... My first alarm clock was like a digital like radio clock, um, and then eventually it was my iPod in like a speaker stand that I had. And yeah, I would set it to wake me up to my favorite songs, um, and of course, you know, it's nowadays it's just our cell phones. Yeah, we use. Um, but we transition out of the summer's house into 
Where else? The magic box. The, no, not the magic box. The cemetery. No, there is. They have a bit in the magic box before. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was. I was like, you skipped a whole number, Jason. How fucking dare you? <laughs> my apologies. My sincere apologies. Yes, we go to the magic it, box. It is very much kind of like the same thing, though, as uh, you know, Anya's excitedly selling people things. Uh, Dawn's looking through a book that she shouldn't, and Jowls comes up behind her and takes it from her. <laughs> Uh, Willow and Tara are looking through a book, and uh, and then Buffy is drawing some dark shit. Just <laughs> blackness onto a paper. It reminded me, first it reminded me of The Ring, mm-hmm. where her son is just drawing, like, black circles. <laughs> uh, but then it reminded me of Scary Movie 3, which... <laughs> When she goes to pick up her son from the from uh from school and her teacher's Brenda, she's showing him all the pictures and it's just like bloody bodies and all of this. And she's like, "Oh, what was the assignment?" And she's like, "Draw your family and friends." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, but now we transition to the cemetery. I actually really do enjoy the fact that like um. You do have Giles like motioning to Buffy, mm-hmm. "Hey, let's go back and let's go back, let's go into the back and uh, exercise and like yeah and uh, train." But then that goes into the cemetery like, with th- your first number. There's a lot of cool transitions in this episode. Um, there's one uh, during "Under Your Spell" that happens between the park and the bedroom. That's really uh, really cool. But... And between the and at the end of the song as well. <laughs> I love a smash cut. <laughs> Something's getting smashed. Well, <laughs> a smash cut. <laughs> um. So yes, we get our first uh, proper number. It is going through the motions. Buffy uh it laments uh, as she fights some demons that she you know she's she's doing everything she always does in her life, but it's just kind of empty. She's mm-hmm. not. She doesn't feel anything. Um. We have to. We we need to be careful about like ref- what our favorite bits are because we'll be here for hours. But I do have to say, just say I, what's your one favorite yeah. part of this. Uh, her complete, uh, completely freeing the sexy man and just like he's like well, a romance cover man. Yes. He's even got like he's got the long hair. He's got like the open tunic. And no, my favorite part is actually um, uh, like those three guys are like. Are, are it's like two vampires and a weird horn bearded yeah. demon and um and she's like she ain't got that swing they punch her and she's like thanks for noticing and then you get like the three demons of, she does really well with fiends from so hell good. and the dancing the dancing gets me and it's so good yeah that that's my favorite part yeah uh, it should be noted that the three dancers are also the Sweets puppet henchmen. Okay. Um, these three act- same actors. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the song's it's a great way to get us into the episode and into Buffy's headspace. Um, I-, I think the lyrics are really clever. I think the lyrics just generally across the board are very clever. I get a I get a well Sondheim vibe off of a lot of them. Yeah, just I mean Joss Whedon, he he writes clever shit. He does, you know. We have we have we have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. We we loathe to admit it, but um, yeah, it's just um, it, it's a perfect opening number, and just the fact that the end of the 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 like Buffy's last note 
is right when the dust of the vampire blows away. Yes. It, that's a beautiful visual. I'm, and, like, I have to... It's a deliberate Little Mermaid reference, right? Like, that's what it feels like to me. It feels very much like the end of Part like, of Your World, where she... The water splashes behind her. I, I, and you could guess. I feel like it could apply to many things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's, like, deliberately Little Mermaid. It could be, though. Yeah. This is very much... Um, your I want song um so for listeners who aren't well versed in musical theater very standard type of song early in the show is your I want song it is literally the protagonist singing about what they want um Mm -hmm. and here for Buffy it's she wants to be able to feel alive again um you know very famous one um that comes to my head is uh Wicked the Wizard and I um but but it's a pretty standard like Type of song that you're going to so, get. While we're talking about uh, music reference musicals, mm-hmm. do you want to guess what musical, based on its themes, I think of most now when I watch this episode? Oh, okay. Based on its themes, so, not necessarily musical style, but based on its themes. So I'm I'm going to say like thematically, this would be like um, opening yourself up to others, like you know. Re- not necessarily revealing secrets, but like, I don't know. What, what, what is it? I was thinking, I was going more along the lines of the themes of like, this is what happens when we don't talk to each other. This is why communication is so important. Mm-hmm. And how like we can be hiding some very dark shit. It's Dear but, Evan Hansen? Uh, no, actually. Okay. Spring Awakening. Oh, yeah. Like, this is... I mean, love the, Spring Awakening. Yeah, um, because I remember specifically um, when I was telling you that I hadn't seen it yet, um, and it was my first time listening to the album, uh, you were talking about how much you loved it, and I'm like, yeah, it seems really weird that it gets all of the... Uh, it gets all that flack for having... for being, like, you know, about sex, and then I think you specifically said it's not necessarily about sex, it's about communication mm-hmm. how important it is to communicate especially the older generation has to communicate with the younger generation mm-hmm. they can't just avoid it and hide it so that whole communication theme is yeah. what makes me link these two together Gosh. spring awakening came you know opened on broadway in 2006 when i was a freshman in high school and just like the perfect <laughs> age for that teen angst uh, but even without like that, like as I've gotten older and I'm like, I still yeah, totally fucked is a great song and I love singing along to it and and, and returning to that age. But but yeah, the, those deeper themes of uh, of um, the responsibilities we have to younger people um, to and dealing with our own traumas. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, so, anything else about going through the motions, or shall we move on? Yeah, I think we, I think we got to it. the magic box. The magic <laughs> box, For real. back there. Um, Buffy goes into the magic box, and uh, everyone, Sans, uh, Dawn, and Spike are there. And she just—it was so funny because she said, um, "You know, Buffy's kind of in her own head. She's thinking about what happened last yeah. night." And um, I like how everybody's acting fairly nonchalant. And Buffy is legit worried that she just imagined the whole thing. Yeah. Or that it only happened to it her. It only happened to her. Um, but yeah, it, it's at the point where she, where um, Willow asks, oh, did Dawn get off the school, right? She's like, huh? 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining Don, like, sitting on a sidewalk. <laughs> like, hey, Buffy. <laughs> um, yeah, so Buffy's like, so, um, did anyone else just happen to, um, burst into song? <laughs> how, do you, how do you break this? How do you? <laughs> um, there's also, let me see if, I, I hope the, the... I'd like to think that Buffy feels comfortable enough... Apart from telling them how, <laughs> apart, I think this episode proved that she's not comfortable to tell yeah. them anything. But like, I feel that she could share a strange magical thing that happened to her with this group. Yes. Well, like, I, I honestly feel like I could share that with. I, I could share like some strange magical thing that would happen to me with you, just because like I feel that our combined TV and movie knowledge would be like, okay, we've got some strategies on how to deal with this. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to see if it's in here in the wiki, but Xander has, like, some bit with a crawler and a donut. Respect the crawler and tame the donut. And Anya goes by and she's like, that's still funny, honey. I don't get it. Do you know what, is it a reference to something? Do you know? Or I it... don't know if it's a reference to anything, but I like the idea of Anya just being like, yeah, sure, honey. Keep, t- keep I... telling yourself that that's funny. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, let me see if I can... She's very much ready for marriage. <laughs> it's a reference to Magnolia? I haven't seen I've Magnolia. Not, I've not seen it either. Um, Maybe we should watch that sometime. It's just that it's a three-hour movie, so <laughs> that's uh, it might even be longer than three hours. And it's Paul Thomas Anderson, who's almost all of his movies feel like three hours anyway. That's not a slight at Paul Thomas Anderson. He's got a very strange directorial style, or not strange, particular directorial style, <laughs> that... Um, it, it, it almost makes what you're watching, even though you see it happening in front of you, it makes it feel a little bit like a fever dream. Fair enough. Uh, it's yeah. not... Yeah, apparently it's a reference to a line from that movie. So, um, I've not seen it. Although, uh, I do really love um, Amy Mann, who was nominated for an Oscar for a song she wrote for that film. And Amy Mann will appear in The Bronze in a Season 7 episode. And that is, I believe, one of... Um... Tom Cruise's two Oscar nominations. Hmm. Um, his other being Born on the Fourth of July. Okay. I've not seen that. I've seen Born on the Fourth <laughs> of July. It's um it's actually not too bad. Okay. Um so after Buffy Assis, the whole gang kind of Thank bursts God into, somebody yeah. else said it. This episode has a lot of overlapping dialogue, um, in a way that the show doesn't usually utilize um but it really works here in that it's the overlapping dialogue is almost like it's mu- musical numbers in their own way it's vocal choreography um, yeah um we 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 know that uh there was uh something involving coconuts with Xander and Anya um they also uh, like uh what syncopated Syncopated people dancing on top of his building. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, but they, they decide they need to figure out what's going on. And we get, essentially, our classic research scene in song. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, just a really smart way of doing like a group number um, and getting your research scene out of the way. And I think um, we both have our favorite parts in this one. It's bunnies. Bunnies, <laughs> yes. Um, I also really, I, I don't enjoy it, but I'm also like, 
I, I, I love uh, Tara. We don't ever find out what Tara's theory is. Because Anya just has to let people know that bunnies aren't as cute as everybody no. supposes. Uh, I do I do have to say that I love... Um, but then, like, you know, everybody throws out their theories. Except Tara. Except Tara. <laughs> she throws it out there. She but, but, like, imagine, like, trying to go for a basket of basketball and then just getting the ball slapped in your <laughs> That's face. exactly what happens. <laughs> but Buffy does say, um, it doesn't matter as long as they're together. Um, you know, we have to try. We'll pay the price. It's do or die. And then we get... One of the like the the best lines. It's hard to say that it's one of the best lines in the episode because there's so many there's good so lines. Many good but lines. yeah, when Buffy like with a smile on her face sings, uh, "Hey, I've died twice," and uh, I love um, even in like the midst of Giles being worried about her, he he still sees the Buffy that he loves yeah. in there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Although her whole section of the song does feel like a lot of deflection. And and that's like, kind of the point yeah. because um, right after the song's done, she says like, "So, what do you think is going on?" And Jasmine says like, "I think I thought it didn't matter." Yeah. And that's when we kind of start to realize that these aren't random songs. Yeah. These are uncertainties and fears bubbling to the surface and coming out yes. melodically. Um. I love Buffy's line. It is one of, for me, one of her like most iconic lines of "I'm well, I'm not shaking in my stylish yet affordable boots." Mm-hmm. Um, that <laughs> because it's not a musical note, like it's not a part of a song, it's almost forgotten in the rest of the episode. <laughs> or like I always remember the quote, but I always forget that it's from this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, and her later one that I also think is really iconic, but I sometimes forget is from this episode is "Dawn's in Trouble." Must, Must be, be Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, Which is a reference to the fact that Buffy the Vampire Slayer airs on Tuesday. Yes. Um, they, the gang kind of are wondering, like, is this an, is it isolated to them? Um, is it everyone? I love Anya's, like, well, if it's just us, that suggests a spell. Uh, Buffy decides to find out the answer herself by opening the door to the magic box. And uh, we get... Is that David Fury? It is David Fury, yeah. yes. Uh, and a crowd of people with dry cleaning. Uh, and he is so ecstatic that they got the mustard out. See, this is why I don't eat things with mustard. <laughs> um, from what I've read, uh, apparently they they didn't want a big crowd number in this episode. It wasn't something because the episode is so insular and... yes. Uh, private for the characters but they also knew they needed to yeah they like, had to show that it was the whole world being affected yeah and they needed or the whole town they knew that it was kind of expected of them to have a big showy number so they do like just part of it yeah <laughs> and i it's very funny um and it does like it does kind of scratch that itch but without just getting away from what mm-hmm. we're really here to do yeah it's um, like i don't I, like with that, I don't need a big, like, oh, all of Sunnydale group number. Exactly. Um, Willow and Tara are finding all of this quite fun and romantic. Well, um, Dawn shows up. <gasps> Dawn shows up! Oh my god, I cannot believe I skipped over this. Yeah. Dawn shows up. She comes in. She's so excited. She cannot wait to tell them what happened at school today. 
Buffy just destroys the bubble for her, and she's like, everyone bursts into song. Don says sarcastically, no, I gave birth to a pterodactyl. Great line. I love the sass. That is, she is a summer's woman through and through. Yeah. Um, they, and then Anya. And then Anya, oh my god, did it sing? <laughs> Way to keep us on task, Anya. Oh my gosh. Uh, they sang about math um, at school. Uh, Buffy, uh, Buffy in uh, season five would have been having none of that. We don't have fun when it comes to learning. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, now she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, things are really different after you die and come yeah. back to life. Um, but they are um, whispering to each other, and Tara's just like, oh, the volume, the text, the volumey text. <laughs> text, and then when. <laughs> And everybody's just like, what are you talking about? And when Willow says the Mermanib report. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Clearly, it's made up. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, Willow and Tara decide to take a nooner, basically. Um, they are, I mean, we have to talk about these outfits. Um, Tara, and I, this is what I said to Harrison, it was like, I think Amber Benson's beautiful. I honestly think what she's wearing is beautiful. However, I think it belongs in a Renaissance fair. It's so <laughs> like the corset. I like. I, and I said that I like. It the is corset. a bright orange dress. Yeah. With like a corset, and like all she's missing is like a. I don't know. Like maybe some weird. I don't even know. I don't even think she's missing anything. <laughs> she would look perfectly. At home in a Renaissance. Maker. Maybe she have some sort of like um, a shawl or a shawl, veil. Or yeah, <laughs> she she looks great. I don't love the color on the dress part itself. Um, I like the I like it on the corset. Willow's is also she's also wearing some like a long flowy dress, but it doesn't really have like a corset. Um, it looks a little more just normal thing that you would wear. And remember but, how we've talked about how um, Willow deserves to go to jail. I wasn't saying that. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a jail outfit, but far from it. <laughs> but remember how we would um, talk about how uh, Tara's earlier wardrobe was not flattering to her yeah. often. Oh. But um, pretty much this season especially, but also like I'd say later last season, mm-hmm. um, she's wearing just excellent clothes. And this, like, this is great. And, you know, the guy's... That walk by, they are like, chip that girl out. Yeah. Uh, because also got her yes, hair really good. Yes, I mean she, like, I mean Amber Benson is always beautiful, but the fact that she now has an outfit to just show off more of that beauty yeah. is great. So, I almost said Amber. Tara begins to uh, because the uh, these guys are checking her out. She makes a joke where she's like, "I'm cured. I want the boys. <laughs> um, Let's hear it for <laughs> the boys." Uh, but she's. Uh, it, I love this moment where t- there's like no like jealousy or anything. Like Willow's just like, "No, it's because you're hot." And Tara sings about how it's. She sings under your spell, which on the surface is, of course, how all about how Willow helped Tara gain more confidence. And, you know, it's not mentioned in the song, but it is kind of alluded to, but like get away from her abusive family. And like, um, and she feels freer to express herself. And, but it's, 
it is all mar it's a beautiful song and it's, it's gorgeous and it's a sweet moment between the two but it just has the dark underbelly of it that we know that she is quite literally under under willow's Willow spell and that's just like uh it's 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 hard to watch because i'm like i'm watching it and i'm just like oh yes they're dancing next to a lake they're on a bridge they're shooting little sparklies and then i'm like oh yeah <laughs> and you know um you know all all the terrorists singing about is happiness yeah um the the line that just always gets me even though like um she literally gets bathed in light which she sings is like <laughs> now i'm bathed in light something just isn't right it just emphasizes how happiness doesn't feel right to her like happiness is not the norm Mm -hmm. but being with willow has been like happiness and it's something new that she likes and gosh man that's just just such a view on on her life right and And again like it's all kind of like oh manufactured yeah like um and it's like uh, willow Um, you could have just had a conversation, Willow. You didn't have to resort to the dark arts. However, then um, the the number ends with uh, Cunnilingus. Yeah, with Let's Willow just... with Willow performing Cunnilingus. Now, here's here's my thoughts about that scene. So, as Tara's getting more and more aroused, she actually starts arising. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Wouldn't that make it harder for Willow to perform Cunnilingus? Like, I'm just imagining, like, you know, we see we only see Tara rising up, but then just imagine, like, Willow's, like, <laughs> get, keeps getting more and more vertical. She's gotta get down on her knee. Get up. Get up yeah, on she's her on her knee. She, she's gotta be on her knees. Or <laughs> It's like... You know, it's funny because I was, I was thinking, I was like, no, on your knees is, like, a pretty standard position for oral sex. And then I was like... But it's a, for blowjobs. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, but I've never performed oral sex on a woman so i don't know actually yeah like um it's well it depends on what how the woman is like typically you like if a woman is standing up and you're kneeling in front of her that's kind of hard to do because you you want to logistics yeah you, you want your tongue to kind of go in at like a uh i can just imagine all of like our female viewers are like, oh, he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but you kind of like, you do kind of want your tongue to go in at like a um, a vertical angle, or excuse me, horizontal angle. So that way you can curl your tongue back so you can hit that spot. Like that wonderful Sounds spot. Sounds exhausting. Yeah, uh, no, um, <laughs> here's the thing though. It, it can be, but it is worth it if you are able to make your partner um, come to orgasm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I hope my parents don't listen to this episode. <laughs> um, uh, but no, um, there is the brilliant cut of Tara singing, you make me complete, you make me complete, you make me cut. And, and they could, like, they could have gone for the easy joke of you, you make, make me, me come, come, but, and they, they probably could have gotten away with it. I was going to say, I mean, not on the WB, but on UPN. Like, I... they, they pro- like, the fact that they were able to do the two lines of You Make Me Complete before that, they probably could have gotten away with it. But I think this is even funnier. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, it, it, it might, like, take you back a little bit. Because you're, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, we're back in the magic box. And you're like, 
Why didn't she say come? Oh! Yeah. And then just the smash cut to the magic box is funny on its own. But Xander's, I don't even think they're working. <laughs> <laughs> he, he and uh, he, Giles and Buffy have pretty much. Oh yeah, they know to what's happening. I mean, even Dawn knows. Dawn, yeah, and they are like trying to. Trying to and like, you know, I'm I'm kind of on Dawn's side here. Yeah. Like, yeah, we we are we've said before we are a sex positive podcast, and Dawn is trying to be sex positive, but and she's like, I think it's romantic, and everybody's like, No, it's not. I'm like, uh, it is. Yeah. How dare? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume they are referring to the singing as what they they don't like. Uh, <laughs> but um, that evening. A man is dancing through the streets of Sunnydale. He can't well, stop. Well, um, I believe uh, Giles says, we need to wonder if there's like anything... Yes. Like any bad things that could happen because of this. Because so far, I mean, apart from probably being an inconvenience here or there, yeah. <laughs> like, just imagine if the numbers in La La Land actually happen, like you're on the expressway... And then everybody like starts getting out of their car to dance on. Like, furious. It's like I'm gonna be late for work. <laughs> well, Xander does mention that he has to basically just like shut down, shut down the, the construction, construction crew. Uh, fair, um, but yeah, we get a cut to this man dancing. Uh, he can't stop. He starts smoking, and when I say he starts smoking, I do not mean a cigarette. <laughs> he doesn't uh, blaze up a doobie. No, he bursts. <laughs> Full on into flames, and uh, we get our first glimpse of Sweet, who looks on, and he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. mm, mama-like. Um, that's entertainment. That's entertainment. Uh, uh, shout out here to Hinton Battle, who plays Sweet. He is a three-time Tony winner. Um, he, wa- he originated the role of the Scarecrow uh, in The Wiz. Um, oh, on Broadway, cool. um, and clearly a phenomenal singer and dancer. And dancer, we we don't get to see as much of his dancing, but there's a moment that's really cool where he's doing those high kicks and then like stops one of them like midair. Um, well, in all fairness, um, I know I've mentioned this to you before, but uh, tap dancing is a cheat code for me. Yeah, <laughs> like I love me a good tap number. Even if it's, like, just an okay musical or even, like, Mm -hmm. a bad musical, if there's, like, a tap number in it, it kind of, like, gets a little bit more respect for me. And, uh, and the fact that, um, he... He's the one who has the tap number. It's it's great. I've only ever had to tap once in a show. It was when I was in Evil Dead and, uh, I was playing Ed. And it was very basic tapping. Um, but I... What I learned doing that was, like, it's... Not just like the steps, but there's actually quite a bit of technique in making the tapping sounds. Mm-hmm. It took me a little while to actually like figure out how to do it. Once you figure it out, it's like, oh, okay, I got it. But um, that, that I, I just remember at one rehearsal saying, talking to our choreographer and saying, uh, she was asking me how I felt about the number, and I was like, I'm getting better at tap dancing through all the blood. And then I had a moment of like, wow. That's a sentence I just said. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, next we go. It's morning, and we get to um, the uh, Xander and Anya's apartment. Uh, we have them wearing uh, some very, like, throwback kind of vintage silk pajamas. Uh, Xander's wearing 
uh, blue, um, kind of oversized, very kind of billowy uh, pajamas, and Anya is wearing uh, very much the opposite. Uh, yeah. A lacy red bra and um, like a red skirt, and which she pairs with some fuzzy red heel, like kitten heels. Um, and very much this is not what they sleep in normally. Yeah. But like, but it, it works for like the heightened world of this musical. Yeah, and I love, um, I, I said this before, but, uh, and I didn't say it until it's that famous shot of Xander and Anya with their heads next to each yes. other, cheek to cheek. But Emma Caulfield is so beautiful in this number. Yes. Like, I mean, her I, hair. Yes. It, like, costume aside, like, we just acknowledge she looks fire in that costume. Oh, yeah, no, she, like, just smoking. Yeah. Smoking hot. Yeah. Uh, but no, Luckily, like, though. Not, not she, actually smoking. She doesn't burst into yeah. flames. Um, but no, like, um, yeah, she just. And I think maybe, I think maybe I just have this appreciation for old school mm-hmm. um, Hollywood starlet beauty, which, as you said, this is a lot of throwback stuff. And I think um, Emma Caulfield's look in this is meant mm-hmm. to be throwback because it's very, very different from what she was wearing and how her hair was during bunnies. And yeah. I've got a theory. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so beautiful. Um Kind of makes her appearances in WandaVision make sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, even though, like, you know, there weren't, en- there wasn't enough of it. So this is actually something I learned recently. Uh, did you ever see the movie Timer? I love the movie Timer. Yeah, me too. That My movie... first interaction with Emma Caulfield was I... Oh, you mentioned Timer yeah, too. I, or... Yeah, I... Pu- well, this is before I actually met her in person. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember, like, I just said, oh, man, the I, I just watched it on... On you on uh, Netflix, and I'm like, man, that movie Timer is just awesome, and uh, and she replied to my tweet. She's like, oh, thanks for watching Timer, and I'm like, holy crap! I love it. Um, well, the writer and director of Timer was the showrunner on Wandavision. Oh, okay. and they're like friends. When I learned that, I was like, oh, so she it, basically she was just like, come be on my show, buddy. Like, come I on would a cameo. love to tell you all to go watch Timer, and if you can find it, that'd be great. It is not streaming not? anywhere. Oh, that's and a like, shame. No, it's so yeah, good. You, I mean, I have to say it. You'd have to pirate it from somewhere no. because I can't find. I can't find it streaming anywhere. I can't find it available for purchase anywhere, digital or, um, or physical. Oh, that is such I, a yeah. No, I remember like looking everywhere for. I'm like, this movie existed, right? It's, <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, it's. It's great, and I mean, you know, we love Emma Caulfield, so the fact that, like, here's a great movie starring her is awesome. She's so good in it. And honestly, you know, the themes of that movie are kind of similar to the themes of Xander and Anya's storyline, because they are basically, you would think that with, um, when you get engaged... It's like, okay, okay, I found my person. This is the man that I want to marry. <laughs> um, and you would think that, oh, now I finally got like one thing that I can depend on. And yet both of them are uncertain. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, they're more uncertain than when before they got married. Uh, Xander is obviously like basically trying to deal with the fact that he is making a lifelong commitment. Mm-hmm. And Anya... 
is has the experience of seeing all of these marriages and relationships fall apart yeah. and then her having to make the man fall apart yeah <laughs> and we're also seeing her you know her they both they both have petty insecurities that we see um his penis got diseases from a Shumash tribe yes. her toes are kind of hairy lots of but, lots of throwbacks to yeah. previous episodes um but then they have their big insecurities which and um we see Anya worried about her well, looks well I get, aging. Well, I get all, so old and wrinkly that I'll look like David Brinkley yeah. I mean because she's dealing with mortality she's dealing with mortality and it's like it's funny to hear her say that and it, it feels petty but when you consider that like she is experiencing these things really for the first time in her new human life um xander is worried about being able to be a provider yeah um and he's like you know i've never been too successful at anything even though like i'd say that having the job that he has yeah i mean it, i think that's more just like kind of personal insecurity oh it absolutely yeah. is we're seeing xander he's financially in a great place right now mm-hmm. he's got a great job that he's good at mm-hmm. um you know that apartment is really nice like but we have to also consider the life that xander came from yeah um and um and you know we don't we we haven't seen a lot of his family life but considering we know that he uh sleeps outside on christmas to avoid his parents drunken fights he probably doesn't have the healthiest view of marriage. Um, so it, it's a funny number, but like under your spell, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and it's it's very funny because um, I, I read somewhere that Whedon wanted to do a musical number as early as the first season. And I just don't think it would have worked in the first season. Um, we just don't no, the characters yeah. are too thinly drawn at that point we don't have the history with them to make it effective and um, I was talking to Harrison about this before we did the episode but um, he mentioned how there are some people like we obviously can't stop talking about how much we love this episode there are some people that hate this episode mm-hmm. even though they love Buffy simply because either they hate the musical format or they hate that this episode has a format that is so different from what Buffy normally is and it's so funny because the fact that it's so different, I think, is what is one of the most brilliant things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I don't think, like, if some could call this a gimmick episode, I don't. Um, I think that, uh, but you do have to have this formula established mm-hmm. before you do something as crazy as this. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, Hush, was it like a bit of a gimmick? Yes, but it still worked within the world. Exactly. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think of any other, uh, the Jonathan arc, mm-hmm. was it like a bit of a, the, the Jonathan episode, um, Superstar, mm-hmm. was it a bit of a gimmick? A little bit, but I mean, it still worked within the, the things of the world. This may seem, this is probably like the biggest stretch that it's ever done, but at this point, it works because we know that Buffy's going to find its way back eventually. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, I would call them, I think gimmick, like you said, kind of has a bit of a negative connotation. Yeah. I'd call them high concept episodes. Yeah, that's, that's um, better. But like, even look at Community, for example, which is a show known for doing high concept episodes like 
as the standard. Yeah. But even Community starts off relatively grounded. Mm-hmm. I mean, rewatch that pilot, and it's 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 downright wholesome and and boring. Yeah, almost. yeah. That, like, I think it's like probably not the, boring. The sh- That's not a good. The which... Chicken Fingers is like the first hint. Yeah. That this is going to be something a little different. And then Modern Warfare is obviously the one that's like, oh, so this is what the show is going to be mostly. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, uh, the Chicken Fingers episode is almost the, uh, the Black Christmas to Modern Warfare's Halloween. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like, here's the concept. Here's the... Um, and then here's the one that really breaks it out. Yeah. And, um, so I'll Never Tell ends on a cute little note where they, they fall back into some chairs and they're giggling and they're <laughs> smash cut. <laughs> to them walking down the street. You do realize that like, oh. if we had merch, it <laughs> would, we would have to have a shirt that says smash, smash cut. cut. Um, but yeah, they're walking down the street with Giles uh arguing um anya uh anya has a great line where she talks about how it felt like someone was watching them like there were only three walls in the apartment (laughs) and not a fourth beautiful also this scene we get a we get like a short musical number Uh about a um and it's a woman who's getting a parking ticket for parking too close to a hydrant yep um and uh first of all she's really good it's Uh, yeah it's marty noxon that is Marty Knox. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, I, you know, the minute that I saw her, I'm like, okay, she doesn't look like a, she doesn't look like a dolled up like TV star or anything. I think that's got to be like somebody, but she sounds really great. Yeah. Um, um, so you've got, you've got like a, you've got dancing happening in the background. Uh-huh. This, I love this because this is a tracking shot. We love a tracking um, shot. Yeah. But this is like on this our, is on our smash cut shirt. On the back, it says tracking shot. <laughs> this is one of my favorite kinds of tracking shots because it is a reference to a lot of old school Hollywood mm-hmm. movie musicals in which there would be big sets and the camera would follow. And, you know, Ani makes the reference to it felt like there were only three walls in our apartment. Um, and uh, the number that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head is Good Morning from oh, yeah. Singing in the Rain. And... That's my favorite movie of all time, so that's probably why I'm thinking of it. But I know there are plenty of other movie, movie musicals that do it. But yeah, you just have these huge stages that are... Um, if it's a house, it's multiple rooms. And the camera's able to follow the actors as they do these elaborate dance numbers. And, I mean, I highly... One, I highly recommend watching Singing in the Rain. I think it is one of... It's a great the, movie. I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, it is a movie that makes me happy no matter what um, I think it makes make you happy too uh, but even if you don't have time to watch the whole movie I do recommend watching specifically the numbers Good Morning and the titular numbers Singing in the Rain which I mean you've seen you have seen a reference to Singing in the Rain oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have to have but uh, yeah, that, like I love that they're able to do that, and they have the dancing going on, uh, particularly the three guys with the brooms. Yes, I like. Good. I really love those. Um, I would also uh, seek out the um, the soundtrack version. 
I just like listening to the soundtrack for this episode every once in a while, mm-hmm. but the soundtrack version of the parking ticket song, because you the song trails off and you can only kind of hear the the last little bit of it as we return to the dialogue, which is basically just Giles telling Xander and Anya about the people burning to death. Yeah. Um, so that's a cool way of getting around exposition that we already know about, but that the characters need to learn. Um, but you get the full version of what she is singing about this parking ticket. Um, and it ends, the last line of the song is, Hey, I'm not wearing underwear. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I also want to point out that Marty Noxon and David Fury uh, play the um, the news people, uh, the news anchors in, in Dr. Horrible. Horrible. Um, well, um, that's, uh, that's also got a... It's like Joss Whedon, Jed Whedon, and um, who else? Uh, Jed Whedon's wife, Marissa. I don't know how to say her last name. Well, um, no, I'm talking about the Bad Horse Chorus. Oh. Because uh, that's Joss, Jed, and... Um, Do they have another brother? <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I have... Zach Whedon, maybe? Is that is that a person? Or did I just <laughs> make that, that up? <laughs> um, and for those of you who do not know... Um, in response to the writer's strike, you were right, Zach Whedon. Oh my God, nice. that's the other. That's the other bad horse chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in response to the writer's strike in two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. um, Joss Whedon decided to make a completely like bare bones musical and then post it on YouTube. Um, this musical is called Doctor Horrible Sing Along Vlog. It stars Neil Patrick Harris. Nathan Fillion and Felicia Day. Mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris plays a video of vlogging villain known as Dr. Horrible, whose nemesis is Captain Hammer. And it is a it is a musical and it is just delightful. It's so good. And it is it you the whole thing's probably still on YouTube. I think so. And you like it it'll take you like all of thirty minutes to watch maybe. Uh, uh, maybe forty. Forty. I think. And it's and it was originally posted in like three parts. Yes. Um, although I do think there's like a full version. It, it's it'll take you less than an hour. Yeah. But it is it is just a delight, and it has all the trademarks of themes that you see in shows that were created by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Uh, now here's a question. I, I don't know if I've asked you this. There's a rumor that in in like the scene where Captain Hammer's accepting the key to the city. There's like this girl sitting in the audience, and she's got like a hat on and glasses. Some people say that that's Sarah Michelle Gellar. Do you know if like that's true? Oh, or not? I don't know. It is. It's been a minute okay. since I've watched Doctor Horrible. Right. Like I, I don't think I've watched it in maybe ten years. Um, although that is a soundtrack that I'll sometimes just pop in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be cool if it was. Uh, um, Giles tells uh, Xander and Anya that Buffy's trying to check with demons on any possible leads because right now they have nowhere to look in terms of research which makes sense because this where do you start right i mean even with your normal avenues it's like oh musicals (laughs) (laughs) um i i want to put this here yeah like put the seed of this here when this is where xander learns about the people who have died i don't buy xander being the one who i buy xander summoning the demon I don't buy that he would not have spoken up the second he found out people were dying. So I, I just, 
I, I, it's like my one criticism of this episode. Gosh, I never thought about that because I mean, I honestly forget that it's Xander yeah. who summoned Sweets until the end of the episode. As far as I'm concerned, it was Dawn. I, as far as I'm concerned, Dawn did it by accident when she stole the pendant, um, which does happen after because she steals it when she comes in. But I, I choose to believe she was fiddling with the pendant. That's why it was out. Then she stole it later. But this is just my headcanon. It is clearly not what the writers intended. But yeah, Xander is like covering for Dawn here. He's like, him, him taking the blame is him like kind of t- trying to take the bullet for Dawn. And I know that's not what and, the you know, intention his expl- is. His, his explanation doesn't really make too much sense. He's like, I didn't know it was going to happen. I thought there'd just be songs and stuff. And I wanted to know if we would work out and have a happy ending. So it's like, what? Do, do you not know? So wait a minute. Did you not know that there was going to be secrets told, or did you know? Okay, yeah, it's a it's a great episode, but that for me is like a big flaw. And it feels like it was just thrown in there to wrap up the sweet story really quickly because it doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the other stuff that's important. But I I think it's a real disservice to Xander as a character and for the growth that he has had for him to be. A, the one who caused all of this and not say anything. Yeah. So, um, but regardless, you know, moving on uh, to Spike's crypt. Yep. Where uh, Buffy goes to see if he knows she wants anything. To pump him for information. Yeah. And she's like, nah, I'm not going to pump you for anything. <laughs> yep. What else would I come to pump you for? <laughs> uh, yeah. And Spike is visibly upset because. He has enjoyed being Buffy's confidant. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've said before, he's the only one who knows about the fact that she was in heaven. But the uh, <laughs> every time I think about Buffy being in heaven, I think about a further on storyline in Angel. Mm. <laughs> and <laughs> like, a particular visual with a particular character. Yeah, I know um, exactly what you're referring and, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, anyway. Can, you are not to blame. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, but I also think that, uh, you know, Spike's feelings for Buffy haven't changed. Yeah. Like, not since he first realized that he was in love with her. It's just that, you know, he's not as toxic of a man as he was. And he's like, and he's really tried to, and, and, you know, in this number, he reveals that, like, oh, so I'm just your outlet. Mm-hmm. I'm just the person that you can go to. And my favorite part of the song is, like, whisper in a dead man's ear doesn't make it real. Mm-hmm. Um and damn that uh and you know he and this is when he just i think maybe buffy had hoped that they had moved past his attraction to her because mm-hmm. he hasn't really said anything he just says like um he says things to show that he cares yeah but he hasn't like flat out said that like oh i'm i still love you um he he's like said but then now all of a sudden he's saying like you know you've got a willing slave but you're afraid you're afraid to play the part that you might misbehave yeah um, but yeah, and so he's got frustrations, and I think Buffy, with all the other stuff that she's dealing with, is like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he takes out his frustrations on your standard Sunnydale night funeral. <laughs> I, 
The visual is great, and I and, and I'll accept it once again. It's this heightened world. Spike standing on top of the coffin that the guys are carrying. A plus visual, yeah, you know, and then him ending the song physically in a grave mm-hmm. is is good. Um, yeah, this is such a great one. We've already talked about James Marster's great singing voice. Like, you know, obviously as we talk about, he's a musician, uh, and he just he puts so much heart into this song. Um, he has that line that I really love: that if my heart could beat, it would break my chest. Um and you know you can just see the also by the way chest and unimpressed that's actually a pretty good rhyme yeah (laughs) Uh, that that there's like a there's like a that section has like a string of really good Mm -hmm. rhymes that are all in the est world Mm -hmm. um yeah this is it's a great sequence I love how Hardy tries to fight it at the beginning and just the look on both him his and Buffy's faces where they're he's just like fuck no please no and she's just like. Please get me out of here. And we, and, we see that, and we see that at the end of the episode as well when he's like the first one to break out of Sweets' spell. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, bugger this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his whole the whole thing is, you know, if you're, if you're, you know how I feel, if you don't reciprocate, please stay the fuck away from me. And, Which I is mean, fair. Like, yeah, that, that is fair. It's the like, most I, like emotionally intelligent thing anyone's done this season. Yeah, and you know, and you know, you would say, you would think that um oh like oh so like you can't be you can't be friends with her like you have to be with her or like nothing at all and i can understand that standpoint but at the same time like if if you have feelings for somebody and they don't reciprocate it and you know you you can't like it's okay to need time to deal with those feelings and just like okay well then stay away from me yeah I think uh, yeah, I think that's a very valid. Um, yeah. and I think I, it's, I think, I think it's often kind of looked down upon. It makes you seem like oh, you, you can only have it like uh, it makes it makes you look like the bad guy for saying like oh, you can only have it this way or not at all. Yeah, uh, but I but, don't think that's I think that's a bad perspective to have on. Yeah, it. it's you know it's now I think the way Spike goes about this is rude and a dick move because that's what he is. But, like, it's, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, like, listen, I have feelings for you. It's, you don't. That's what it is. And it's difficult for me to be about, be around you. I need some space to work through my feelings. And I don't yeah, think there's it, anything wrong with that. Yeah, and it's... As long as you're not an asshole about it. Yeah, and it's kind of like, uh, it is interesting to see that, because, um, you know, we don't normally think about things from Spike's perspective, but it does seem like what originally seemed as confidence... Like, uh, Buffy having him in her confidence now is like, oh, she's using you mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we move on to Don and Tara? No. Okay. Uh, so back at the Summer's house, uh, Don gets home from school. Tara comes to talk to her and she's just like, ah, math is not as fun when you're not singing about it. <laughs> and, Don tells Tara, she's like, I'm really glad that you aren't, you and Willow stopped fighting. And Tara's like, Remember when we said <laughs> that Don walking in on that fight that they were having in, um, what was the last episode? All the way. In All the Way. Uh, why that was important that Don saw that? Because here's why. <laughs> yeah. Little blabbermouth. <laughs> <laughs> but 
uh, yeah, she's just like, I don't like it when you fight, and it makes me sad. And it, we really see how much Tara and Willow, uh, what they mean to Dawn, um, which is not shocking. They were there for her um, after she lost her mother and her sister mm-hmm. in like a pretty quick succession. Um, uh, and the tr- I can see how seeing Willow and Tara fight. Uh, could be traumatic for Dawn after ex- losing two parental guardian figures so quickly. How traumatic it would be for her to be thinking, oh my god, what if they break up? What if I lose Willow or Tara or both of them as well? Like, and also, even though she never really interacted with Hank, she still has those memories yeah. in her head. And I'm assuming it's fairly accurate memories of Hank and uh, Joyce's relationship, mm-hmm. which probably are not good yeah i mean we saw in buffy's flashbacks and yeah. coming you know them fighting and um so um tara's kind of taken aback uh but then the bramble that she found uh we should mention she found the 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 bramble uh it was in the overture uh yeah in the overture and she's been wearing it. Um, well, she thought it was just like a nice little thing that yeah. Willow left for. Her. So, and um, but she starts to put some pieces together. Um, so she tells Dawn, she's like, "Hey, I'll be right back. Like, like, are you okay to be here by yourself?" And Dawn's like, "Yes, the fifteen-year-old can stay in her locked house for thirty minutes." Nope. No. <laughs> uh, because once Cause it's Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> once Tara leaves, um, she pulls out the pendant that she stole from the magic box. Well, not just on. that, but there's like a, a whole jewelry box full of stuff that she's stolen from yeah. the magic box. The guys, you know, we're just gonna say right now, this is it's it's a bad a, use of Dawn. It, it is. It's unfortunately this is her main storyline in the season. It's not great, and. I think this is the reason. I think this might be one of the main reasons why people don't like Dawn. If people, if when people say they don't like Dawn, if they point to this as the reason, I have to be like, you yeah, know, you're right. Yeah, like, like um, yeah, they they didn't really have anything to do with her after the key storyline. Yeah, I don't like this storyline. No. Um, it's fine here because it's not taking up a lot of real estate. But God, when it starts taking up real mm-hmm. estate, it's a bummer. Um. So Don gets a song, and I'm actually going to... I, I wanted to choose one song to give my rendition of. And I chose this one because it's really meaningful. And it's really powerful. And it's really... just really helps get into Don's head. So... <clears throat> Does anybody even notice? Does anybody even care? Oh, kidnapped! it's so good it's so funny (laughs) it is so funny I I, I was telling Jason when I first watched the episode the second she started singing my eyes just the most powerful Liz Lemon eye roll all the way to the back of my head and then she got then it you know the music changes those horrifying puppet demons arrive and just grab her I had to pause the episode I laughed so hard it is such it's such a good punchline. Like, no, yeah, and like I remember, um, I obviously watched the series later than you did, so I knew that like at this point I had known that Dawn wasn't like the most beloved character, and so the fact that like her musical number was immediately cut off, yeah. I also thought that was really funny. 
Um, so this song is called Don's Lament. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the demons, the puppet demons take her to the bronze, uh, where we get a much better use of Don's, uh, and specifically Michelle Trachtenberg's abilities with uh, Don's ballet. And we just, it's just this great sequence of her trying to escape from the minions and, uh, you know, and, and them catching her. And it's, uh, she's just such a good dancer. And I like the way that they contrast her very graceful um, balletic movements with their kind of more like, um, I know staccato is not the right word for dance, but like, jerky kind of um... only we had like a special guest that could help <laughs> us understand dance terminology but hey maybe if uh, if we have another episode that features some ballet uh in either this or angel who can say maybe we can bring uh maybe we can bring a friend on who might know a thing or two about dancing we don't have anybody here right now though so. no, no. <laughs> sorry <laughs> um but yes, her uh, her dance ends with her being thrown to the feet of Sweet, the aforementioned Tintin battle. Um, and just the... I, I love the... Yeah. I just love, like, the the tap. It's so good. Into it and... Oh, God. This is great. <laughs> it's such a great villain song. We get what you feel. Um, he's very... He's got, like, a zoot suit. Um, that changes color. changes color. He uh, he explains that this is his. He's like, this is my deal. I go to towns. I go to places where I'm summoned. I make everyone sing and dance, and eventually that causes chaos and destruction and uh, spontaneous combustion. Uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> heard of this little place called Rome. <laughs> um, that's a great line. The I gave Nero his very first fiddle. Yeah, but my uh, but my favorite line. Which I've already like sung twice <laughs> since we watched the episode is uh, I can bring whole cities to ruin and still have time to get a soft shoe mm-hmm. in. So Damn good. it, I love it. <laughs> so good. Um, there's not, there, you know, it's a great song, but there's not. It's really just like, here's what I do. Here's what my whole shtick is. There's not much more to it, but it's a damn fun time. It's catchy. Um. At the magic box, Buffy and Giles are. Oh, he does say that. Um, he does say that Dawn summoned him. Yes. Um, and specifically, uh, you know, he's going to take her down to be his child bride, essentially, uh, until he finds out that. Um, her and Dawn sister. does have a little bit of singing in this part too. Yeah. Um, but he finds out that uh, that Dawn's sister is the Slayer, and so Sweet sends his henchmen to go tell the Slayer everything. He wants her to come to him so he can watch the Slayer burn. Yes. Um, Giles asks Buffy um, if she's talked to uh, Dawn about the Halloween incident. And she's just like, oh, I thought you took care of that. And um, we see he's he's he gets he's very concerned about Buffy's over-reliance on him. This is where we get standing his number uh, where he feels that by him being there to kind of handle everything for her, she's stuck. She's standing still. She's not going to. Um, she she's not going to be able to grow the way she needs to. And I'll have a lot more to say about this in Tabula Rasa. But while I understand 
Giles's concerns. I don't think he's concerned about the right thing with Buffy. Yeah, it's well. Hmm. And it's it's hard for me to say any more without getting into some spoilers, but so it's. Hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. It's kind of like. It's kind of like helping somebody. Deal with grief. Um, you don't know how long that grief is going to last. Um, in this case, Buffy has to like grieve herself. Yeah. Um, and he now granted he doesn't know about Buffy being in heaven yes um so he thinks that he thinks that Buffy is doing okay but that the reason that she's not doing okay that the reason that she is like asking him to look at these bills Mm -hmm. the reason that um she's asking him to like talk with Dawn about stuff is that uh he thinks that it's because he's here and he's doing so much for her. Um, and I can understand that. There are, there are like, a, I mean, even though it's like a comedy, there are like, a, like stepbrothers. Like you look mm-hmm. at that and like supporting a son for so long. Um, like it can be like detrimental uh, supporting a child for so long. I mean, you, you want to, and I think these are like these are these are things that parents do worry about, especially if it takes their kids long time, like a long time to leave the nest. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that I think that movie Failure to Launch is about the same thing. Again, these are all comedies and probably not <laughs> greatest depictions, but I think that uh, it's a it's a cha- it's a challenge that all parents have to deal with. Like we obviously want to be there for like they want to be there for the kids. But at what point do they have to let their kids yeah. make their own mistakes? And Giles is not Buffy's biological father. He did not meet Buffy until she was 16 years old. Um, is that right? Yes. Yeah, 15, 15 or 16? 15, I think. Okay. I'm trying to remember like how many birthdays. Like, because her 18th right. birthday was season 3. Uh-huh. 17th birthday would have been so season 16. 2. Okay, 16, so it was 16. Yeah. Okay. But I think yeah. she would have just turned 16. So I think that Giles, like, it's it's a tough quandary for any parent. And Giles, I mean, he says he wishes he could be the father, like, standing there. Yeah. Um, but he also thinks that he's standing in the way. So I don't... I yeah. agree with everything you've said <laughs> for Giles' perspective at this point in the episode. Yeah. I'm gonna have a lot of feelings about his perspective once he's learned the truth Mm -hmm. which will be next episode or he learns the truth in this episode but yeah we see the fallout the fallout in the next one um because that really is where my issue really comes into play okay but this is also just a beautiful song oh it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. and it suits anthony head's voice um i i actually really want to go check this out um tony head has has released like a couple albums and um i made a comment on the buffy subreddit there's a conversation about uh him singing behind blue eyes in whichever episode that was and i made a comment where i was like oh i've always been really bummed that there isn't he never recorded a studio version someone was like he did actually like on 
Um, it's on some album he released, and I was—I haven't looked it up yet, but I'm like, I need to go find that <laughs> because, because goddamn. Um, while this is happening, uh, we do see Tara come in, uh, just rush through the magic box up to the second level where she pulls out a book where she finds. And I mentioned this to Harrison, like <coughs> even Excuse as me. she like before she even gets to the book, you see this look on Amber Benson's face. Yeah. She um, already knows. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just complete, just devastation, really. Yeah. And then it's confirmed, and that's when she goes into a reprise that's in a minor key, so you know it's sad, <laughs> of, of I'm under your spell, and then she realizes that she truly is under yeah. her spell. She sees that the, the little plant that she has is used to augment spells of forgetfulness. Yeah. And, I mean... And she says that, like, you know I've been through hell. And even though, like, she actually says it in the next episode, she's very much referring to the fact that Glory... Uh-huh. Fucked um, with her brain. Yeah, Glory fucked with her brain. And um, now Will is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, we should also... We really do need to acknowledge, too, that not only did Willow do this to Tara, she also had sex with her afterward. Um, and that's really not okay. Um, because Willow t- at this point has gotten delusional. Yeah. Um, she she thinks that the rules don't apply to her. She thinks that the rules don't apply to her, and yeah, a memory wipe is basically just like, oh hey, now now I don't have to worry about the consequences of my actions. Uh-huh. And also remember, she had this in their room, like. At the ready, it mm-hmm. seemed like. It seemed like she was just waiting for an opportunity to use it if she ever got into a fight with her. Yeah. If she ever got into a fight with Tara. It's yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It is it is a it is a violation of trust mm-hmm. and among other things. Yeah. Um and then we get into Harrison's favorite song. Yeah. So so yeah, we uh Tara is joined by Giles. They both look on to their loved ones. And um, they sing, you know, a reprise of their respective songs. But there's, um, Tara has a line in her kind of section of it where she says, um, I wish I could trust that it was just this once, but I must do what I must. And we get both of them singing, ending the song on the same note, which is wish I could stay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see they've now both made this decision that, and for Tara in particular, I'm, I'm like, yeah, girl, I like get out of there. Um, for Giles, obviously I had more complicated feelings, but yeah. And I love Willow and I love Willow and Tara's relationship, but no, this is yeah, beyond. After something, after something like that happens, it's, that's, you can't really forgive that. No. Um, Spike arrives. He's captured one of the puppet demons. Um, there's this great moment where Tara was walking to Spike and he's like, oh, is that the demon? And she walks past Willow and Willow didn't realize she was there and goes, oh, Tara. And she, Tara like just gives, like just, she doesn't glare at her, but she just like gives her a look and then keeps going. Mm-hmm. And Willow's like, uh, what did I do? Yeah, yeah, Willow, and th- that's the other thing. Willow doesn't even seem to comprehend. Like, what could be wrong? Like, uh, the the ending of this episode is the first time 
that Willow is confronted with the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like it hits her harder than when uh, Giles like yeah. came on as like, it should. Yeah, when Giles like just rounded on her. And, um. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but there's a really great moment where um Giles tells the tells the puppet to sing, and there's like this musical build up, and there's like. <laughs> My master wants the Slayer to be. <laughs> yeah, it's literally it's like this monotone, like my master has the Slayer sister, will take her to hell to be his bride. <laughs> and then we get the uh, classic Dawn's in trouble. Must, must be, be Tuesday. Tuesday. Um. So, yeah, Buffy's like, okay, what's the plan? Uh, and they're like, I think it's Xander who's like, we arm up, let's go. And Giles is like, no, Buffy has to do this on her own. Um, and. Anya's got a really good line where she's like, well, you know, Dawn had the wrong idea summoning this guy, but <laughs> I've seen some of these, like, under, underground child bride deals and they never go well. Maybe once. <laughs> uh, I do love the, like, her misinterpretation of Giles' this line. is like, you know Dawn made a mistake, but we don't want to just leave her. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, you know, Giles basically tells... Buffy and the rest of the Scoobies under no uncertain term, no uncertain terms that uh, you can't keep relying on everybody else. You yeah. gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta do it. And Spike's like, hold the fuck up. And Giles and Buffy both are like, shut the fuck up, Spike. You know? <laughs> um, Giles it, does, or excuse me, Spike does say, "I've got your back, Slayer." And then uh, Buffy's like, "Thought you wanted me to leave you alone." And he's like. And I think at that point, that's when Spike is like just kind of pissed. Yeah. I don't think he's pissed necessarily at Buffy. I think he's just pissed that his feelings are out there. Yeah. Like, he's he's a very guarded person. He doesn't have the people to talk to that Buffy and all the other Scoobies have. Yeah. Um, even though, like, this whole episode's about how they haven't been talking to each other. <laughs> but, uh, so then he then he just says, like, fine, I hope you burn, you and a little bit. Yeah. We know that's not true. It's not, as we see. Yeah. <laughs> very quickly. So now we get, I mean, it's we've, we've said it's not necessarily our favorite number, but I think we could probably agree that it's the most impressive number mm-hmm. of the episode. Walk through the fire. So, funny oh. story about this. You... Mi- eagle-eyed people who know musicals may think that this musical is a reference to One Day More from Les Miserables. Um, That number is the closer to act one and basically kind of shows it features the entire cast. Well, fantastic number. Mostly. Uh, (laughs) Poor Fantine. She ain't Uh, there. Well, it features features the entire cast that's still alive. (laughs) Spoiler alert for Les Mis. Spoiler um, alert for like the first 20 minutes of Les Mis. Uh, I don't know. It depends on the production well, that you're in. <laughs> let's not go there. Because that but, was a long night. <laughs> but uh, basically, it's the night before the tumultuous events of Act 2 happen. And all the characters are saying where they're going to be, what they're going to do. Setting the stage for everything that happens in Act 2. You can get those vibes from yeah. here. However, Jasmine has said in interviews, he did not base this off of that number. He based this off of La Resistance, which is from the South Park movie. Oh. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, which that is a reference 
that was completely just referencing Les Mis. Nice. So, <laughs> I think that's a funny story. Fun. And also, I mean, if you haven't seen the South Park movie, I get that South Park may not be like a lot of people's thing, but the South Park movie, I do believe, is comedy brilliance. I um, don't think I, I've never actually seen that. Oh, oh, I was like thinking, I know we watched it at your all's apartment, um, like the one when you moved in with John for the mm-hmm. first time. But then I remember because, it, but then I remember that Ben and I watched it because it was uh, because you had gotten like shit face, <laughs> and John was taking care of you, oh. and Ben and I were like uh, we're just kind of hanging out, and I threw and I noticed that you that um, maybe it was on streaming or something, but yeah, so we turned on South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and we both loved it. Nice. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Nice. So um, throughout the course of this number, we do have. Uh... We have Buffy kind of essentially wearing a nice long black coat yes. too. She's feeling abandoned. She's feeling uh, she's still very alone. Obviously, um, she's kind of going back to that initial feeling she sang about at the beginning of the episode. She touches the fire, but she, you know it freezes her. She doesn't feel. Um, we have Spike pretty much immediately. Uh, he's like. Uh, he has like the line of like I hope that bitch burns. I, yeah, yeah, I hope she fries. Yeah. I'm free. I'm free if that bitch dies. I better help her out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also the Scoobies kind of quickly coming uh, coming around to saying, uh, you know, we need to go help Buffy. We need to. Yeah. All what come what together. if Buffy can't defeat it? Beady eyes is right. <laughs> We're needed. Uh, Giles gets. Oh. Oh gosh. He has this line. Um. Uh, where he sings, uh, "Is my Slayer too far gone to care?" Yeah, yeah. and he sings. Um, it's he, he hits this low note. Yeah, that is so yeah, Hang sexy. On. Let, let me do. Let me do a rendition of it. Um, Will this do a thing to change her? Am I leaving Dawn in danger? Is my Slayer too far gone to care? Yeah. Oh, Ooh. sexy. Um, Thank you. And Sweets <laughs> is also just like, I'm gonna party. <laughs> <laughs> she will come to me. Um, but yeah, it all culminates in this, you know, this big harmony. The entire group. I love the shot of uh, the secret Scoobies and Giles walking, and the fire trucks yes. driving behind them. That's hilarious. And um, then yeah, it all culminates on this last burn, and Buffy just well, hang on, hang on, before door. we get. To- I was gonna say before we get to that, you gotta talk about like uh, oh. she, yeah, the back and forth. Uh, she came from the grave, much graver, <laughs> and, uh, and and Spike is like, no, I'll save her, then I'll kill her. And we have Allison Hannigan coming back for. I think this line's mostly filler. <laughs> so good. Uh, let's talk about Allison Hannigan's lack of. Well, not we know why. She doesn't sing. Why the the, uh, the out of universe. In universe, though, this and this has always just been my kind of theory about why is Willow. Have you got a theory? I do. <laughs> why is Willow not immune from all of this? But like, she's got some pretty big secrets that she's keeping. Um, and my thought is maybe uh, she's fighting she's, against it. Oh yeah, I think she's simply that powerful. As Sweets mentions when when he meets her, I I do feel like Willow is just has simply become so strong. That she can't resist that. it. She can't resist it completely, but she's putting up a hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. And and her line, I think this line is mostly filler. And most of her lines in the songs are surface. They're you know they aren't 
delving into deeper emotions like ev- literally every single other person in the cast is um despite the fact that arguably she is hiding the the biggest and most horrible secret mm-hmm. um so yeah so yeah buffy just kicks that bronze door in they've got right great, on the great, harmonies uh, so good they've got great insurance it would seem <laughs> um but uh she offers sweet a deal you know if she can't uh if she can't kill him uh she will she'll go with him in don's place he's like what if i kill you and she's like won't work and then he goes that's gloomy (laughs) (laughs) which it is (laughs) but come on i'm this like singing dancing demon (laughs) so we've had our favorite songs we've had the most impressive song now we have maybe the most important song yeah um first of all buffy takes off her coat revealing Maybe my favorite Buffy outfit of the it's entire series. It's a great one. No, and it's I do simple, love. I do so love. Elegant. And she she opens up the coat as as she's singing, "Open up our hearts." Uh huh. Um. So yeah, that's good. So good. <laughs> it's this kind of loose fitting red top that's slightly off the shoulder. It's not off the shoulder, but it's got like a like a wider neckline. Um. It's just it's really simple, but it's really elegant. Um. And it, like her lipstick matches her hair is on point like it's just all she's wearing like black leather pants right i think they're jeans okay i think they are jeans but they're they're very dark yeah the the best color combo for buffy is red and black yes um and she sings a song that is it's almost like a disney song like until you get to these really frenetic bits yeah Um, well it's it's a disney song in style mm mm-hmm but all Buffy when it comes to the content. Yes. Um, and it's very nihilistic. Yeah. It's... Well, and I think it's just that um, this is her, this is the point that she's come to after like seeing like a walk through the fire. She, er, she and like um, she has to say that, well, I mean, nobody else is going to, if nobody else is going to do this, it's got to be me. Yeah. And so now she's just kind of accepted her fate. Like even death won't, allow her to stop having to do this yeah um the scoobies arrive and uh giles declares she needs backup anya tara a plus like i mean (laughs) if the episode wasn't already five stars which spoiler it is is. this is six stars i mean (laughs) that is that is without a doubt one of the greatest pieces of humor ever written on this show Just the fact that you're like, oh, she needs backup. You're like, Anya and, Ta- and Tara, why? And it's because she, she needs, needs backup mute. dancers. She needs backup dancers and the people to sing ooh yes. while she's doing her bit. And oh my god, it's funny. It works. <laughs> and also just visually, it's really good. It's 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 a nice picture to have her flanked by them. Um, and yeah, it's because, very like, interesting. Yeah, because you can't do it with you can't do it with Giles. It yeah. has to be like one of the one of the younger Scoobies, and you know, with like with Spike not in there um, and Giles not in there, your two best voices are yeah. Tara and Anya. And it's very very interesting to like. Yes, your best voices are Tara and Anya out of the pool you need for this. 
But it's also very interesting that it's not Willow and Xander just from a voices, like outside of a voices mm-hmm. perspective, because Willow and Xander, they've always been her always backup. been her backup. Um, I, I really think it does illustrate some of the seams coming apart in of the team here. Um, but also, yes, Giles is also just like, I'm not sending Xander over there. <laughs> He's going to fuck her number up. She's having a, she's having a moment. <laughs> Um, so, um, he, uh, he basically sweets, uh, she kills sweets minions during this song too, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, he's like, he goads her. He's like, and I love, bring it out. And I love how, um, like we've seen fight choreography on this show, but now it's like a different kind of fight choreography. And it's so cool. It, it's cool. Um, it's a little stiff, uh, but I I think that that's just Sarah Michelle Gellar making sure that she gets like the killing, mm-hmm. um, making that evident. And I I can and that may, that is the most important part of those dances. Yeah. Uh, but no. And then they're like, yeah. When he's so now we get to the part where Sweets is like saying, "Come on up." And yeah. And then it's the gut punch. Are you ready for the gut punch, y'all? Yeah. She sings, uh, There Was No Fear. There's no there Was No Pain. No uh, Pain. And she sings, I Think I Was in Heaven. And there's, um, and she, she sings it a couple times. And she says, every time she sings the word heaven. Heaven. Uh, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's written in this very weird, dissonant way. And Sarah's voice goes like, a, almost a little sour, like it's very. I think it's very unpleasant to listen I to think that's on, the, in like a good way. Like, I think that is the only way to make the word heaven sound bad. Yeah, and it's 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 Which just what so, they had to do. Exactly, it's so it's so unpleasant to hear, and it and it really really hits home. And you see, obviously, all of the Scoobies shocked by this, but Willow in particular, well, yes, yes, as you mentioned, yeah, yeah. Allison Hannigan has not had. The most to do in this episode, but she gets the chance to show Willow's reaction to this, and she's obviously the most shook by it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is when we get Buffy singing, Give Me Something to Sing About. She just needs something to latch onto. And Sweet basically goes, Nope. And then this all, I feel like this all has to be Sarah, right? I think it's. All Sarah, except for the flip she does off yeah. of the stage. No, but like Once as soon she's... as as soon as she's on the floor, yeah, that's when I think it's all Sarah. Yeah. and that is such like that is such hard dancing. Yeah, like and I can. We really should talk about what this is. It's a suicide attempt. Yeah, which the episode doesn't really say it, but that's what it is. And it's very, ugh, like. Um, yeah, she nearly dances herself to death. Yeah, and then, um, and then, but Spike stops her, and I love the look on Sarah's face mm-hmm. when she's looking at James, and uh, and yeah, and he says, "Life isn't bliss. Life is just this. It's living. You've got to go on living. So one of us is living." Yeah. And then Don comes in with one-two punch. Yeah, and quotes Buffy back to herself: "The hardest thing in this world is to live in it." 
And and you know, yeah. I have had some rough moments in my life. We all have. Um, there are times when I watch this episode when I'm feeling down, not specifically to feel better mm-hmm. or not specifically to get like uplifted. I mean, I have plenty of other stuff like singing in the rain that I want to watch. Like oh, if I'm feeling down and I want to feel better, mm-hmm. but I watch this because of that message that spike gives mm-hmm. life is just this. It's a living. Is it cynical a little, but at the same time, I mean, you know, sweets ask, isn't life just a miraculous thing? And you know what? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes life just fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you've got to keep on living. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that's, I think that is, that is such a harsh truth. I mean, not just for Buffy to deal with, mm-hmm. but for like, like just for a TV show to, because, you know, a lot of TV shows at the time are like, hey, here's like, here's this happy moral. Um, and they would say something like, no, life is this, like, beautiful thing you have to embrace, you have to enjoy. Sometimes it's just too damn hard. Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of, like, older people out there will be like, oh, this millennial talking about how hard life is. <laughs> life is fucking hard yeah. sometimes. But I also think there's a bit of, like, you're right, it is a little cynical in life. But I also think there's a bit of beauty in that, too. That, like, is, sometimes yeah. life is just this. But, but yeah. But like, other times it's not. Yeah, but I think it's always worth living. Mm-hmm. Even though, even if it isn't 100% happy all the time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, I mean, there have been so many works and quotes that deal with the fact that, you know, you can't experience great beauty and great happiness without experiencing great pain, Mm -hmm. just simply out of comparison. So, uh, Don and Spike have successfully... Unstop Buffy. Uh, stop Buffy's combustion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I feel like t- we have this whole resolution with Xander Sweets and Dawn. I feel like I've said what I have to say about it. I think it's it's really pat. It's very convenient. And I think it's... I don't like it. I, I really do think it's... It's not a flaw. It's not a big enough flaw to bring this... My Like, bring the episode down in my estimation... But as I mentioned, I have to do some head cannons to like make me feel better mm-hmm. about it. Um, do, do you have anything you want to say? Not about really. It? it wasn't really something that I, like I said, it wasn't really something that I thought about before because I honestly, with everything else going on, it's not until the end of the episode that I remember that like, oh yeah, like <laughs> the the joke is is that like Xander of all people is the one who called on yeah. sweets because it seems. Because also he was kind of the one who was most like, oh, this is unnatural. It's not great. Yeah. Um, so and I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It it's that it's a joke, and it's like okay, haha, Xander did it. But like, Xander is now responsible for lots of death in like, mm-hmm. and we're just gonna. Yeah, I don't care for it. Um, I also just want to say so this is such an aside, but there's. Or not really an aside, but going back to Xander and Anya's number, there is a bit where Xander has is reading the newspaper and the headline is like, <laughs> it's something like Mayhem in Sunnydale. Monsters definitely not involved, say officials. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, Sweets uh, has one last little flair in which he name drops the episode. Yep. 
And then uh, says he'll see them all in hell. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> he just like, <laughs> bye, y'all. <laughs> he fucks off. Um, he came into town, wrecked some havoc, and left. Don, uh, Don leads everybody in the closing number. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? And, um, you know, it's funny because you mentioned how Willow's fighting like hell against having to sing. Um, and I noticed that she's the last one to start singing in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, she does eventually sing when they're all like doing these wacky little like let's all hold our hands Um, but you know Spike's the first one to break out and he's like bugger this leaves and um, he's about to go but then Buffy comes out and says uh, and I love this I love this ending Um, in full acknowledgement that I'm like a Buffy angel (laughs) I do love the fact that they're both like, even though they've both broken out of the spell, they still take this one last minute to be true to themselves. Like, Buffy sings, I touch the fire and it freezes me. And uh, Spike says, like, uh, I died so many years ago. She says, um, why can't I feel? And he says, you can make me feel. They kiss. Mm-hmm. It's a damn good it's kiss. It's a good kiss. And uh, then all of the all the Scoobies are singing, where do we go yeah. from here? So and, um, and the literal curtain comes mm-hmm. down. So yeah. So where I do we go from here? Is such a bleak number. It is, it is so like um, yeah. And and here we we get this now. Obviously, there's a lot more to the Buffy Spike relationship. Like it's not all sunshine and daisies. Oh really? Uh, <laughs> but it's. Some people I've gotten into this argument with uh, people concerning another, what I consider similar relationship, and that is, uh, and the reason that I call this similar is because it is a relationship that's more not necessarily out of you don't necessarily like the person, but you've been through the same traumatic experiences, and the relationship I bring up with that is. Katniss and Peeta in mm. the Hunger Games series. Um, I remember finding out that Katniss and Peeta end up together. I'm sorry, spoilers for <laughs> the Hunger Games. Um, spoilers for Mockingjay. But it... I don't think... And the reason that I didn't like that ending is because I don't think that having a relationship built on that foundation is healthy in any way um and we'll see like just how healthy this relationship is Mm -hmm. over the next over this season yeah and uh or how unhealthy it is so i'm sure there are plenty of people who are like ready to just be like no Candace and pita forever (laughs) but it's it's a deeply at least in your the katniss and pita example it's a i mean it's a bleak ending even it though it's ostensibly a happy one, it's a cynically happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a lot of people with trauma trying to rebuild a life um, in, in however way they can. And and yeah, we're seeing Buffy come into this, you know, at least starting something potentially with Spike here with this kiss um, that's, you know... It's it's not coming from a healthy place. Buffy is not in a healthy place. And there there are some people who think that like there are some there are a lot of Spike Buffy shippers out there, Spuffy, mm-hmm. um, and they a lot of them have told me 
that the reason is is that you know spike loved buffy without a soul and um whereas angel you know like he loves buffy and he lost his soul but like he may have loved her but there are lots of points both now and later that it is not a healthy love yeah and yeah it, it you know spuffy fans you may need to re-examine yeah. this series uh yeah. this relationship I, I do think a lot of i think there's a lot of value in the spuffy relationship um but yeah i do think not necessarily like the romantic side yeah like but i i think a lot and not all uh but a lot of spuffy shippers can tend to ignore some of those more toxic elements of the relationship at this point in the series um but but listen we'll have a lot to say about spuffy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the good and the bad yeah because it's not all bad yeah it's not um and that's yeah that's it and then we get uh we get a jaunty outro in the credits and our mutant enemy he goes us a little last girl, girl. um nice five step. out of five five out of five yeah <laughs> it's i mean it's i feel like uh i know that um io9 did a uh they did a like little bracket mm-hmm. of um what's the best buffy episode um and had like everybody vote on it everybody went to the site it came down to uh i'm pretty sure it came down to becoming part two or becoming in once more with feeling yeah once more with feeling one i think that it's not surprising it's not no i i yeah i i mean that what can you say about this that we haven't already said about it it's yeah. it's fantastic it is the gold standard for musical television episodes because it's not just a musical episode it is hey our story has been building up to this and the next Buffy episode has its own kind of like little spin on the traditional storytelling but it's also incredibly important for the story yeah and yeah like I mean you know in Hush we get the reveal or we finally get the um Buffy and Riley finding out, oh, you're the Slayer. You're in the initiative. Yeah. Um, so it was like also important to the story too. Yeah, this is just so important to like basically have all of the buildup, all of like the simmering buildup that we've had since the season premiere just explode. Like we knew it was yeah. going to explode anyway, so why not let it explode in song <laughs> and Musically. dance? Yeah. Um, like I said, and also just we we toasted them at the beginning. The cast was given this thing that maybe they never thought they'd have to do on this show, but they did it, and like almost all of them did it extremely well. Yeah, yeah. A plus. I, I yeah. I just I feel like I can't even. There's nothing else to say. I feel like we we've, yeah. we've beaten it. We're beating a dead horse at this point. Um, so yes, that's once more with feeling. Um, Shall you take us out, Jason? I'll do it. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 8, Quickening. Yes. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N.
And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj357. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week I decided to go local. Woo! Um, and we're highlighting the Louisville Leopard Percussionists. The Louisville Leopard Percussionists are a performing ensemble comprised of student musicians from grades 2 to 10 from all around the Louisville, Kentucky area. Their mission is to provide a comprehensive musical experience for children that enriches lives and builds community. Uh, visit www.louisvilleleopardpercussionists.com for more information. Um, also, the Louisville Leopards are an organization that um, that my uh, my organization that I work for um we we work with them a lot because we're both youth-based programs so uh we love the louisville leopards and as always go slay and be gay beautiful thank you goodbye so long farewell